Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Dragons of Silicon would like to wish you a happy Tuesday and a mighty... Well, something. Welcome to another Tuesday edition of uh, Fragments of Silicon. Uh, yeah, I guess you, what you were going for there was maybe a mighty Wednesday, but <laughs> given all the, all the considerations... It, um, it's more that mighty number nine and kind of turned out to be, uh, well, something, So from what, from what everyone's saying. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to play it yet. Um, uh, I'm like, that, that, that's its own thing that we'll talk about later. Um, yes. We have an interview to get to uh, today, and in keeping with, you know, uh, <laughs> I guess a theme, or uh, honestly, this is just uh, complete happenstance, but um, this week we are welcoming um, Karsten Harl, uh, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing this. <laughs> it's pronounced Harle. 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 Yeah. It means small hair. Mm of uh, Happy Tuesday Games, and indeed we are hoping you have, uh, you're all have uh, been having a Happy Tuesday. Yes, we uh, currently will be having a Happy Tuesday, because in one hour we have Germany playing against Nigeria, I believe, so um, hopefully it will be happy. <laughs> Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, no problem, no problem. Uh, let's see, all right, we'd like to start our interviewing interviews by asking how, well, how did you first get into video games? Like, um, do you like grow up with video games? Uh, I was kind of playing video games since since I was a little child, starting with the uh, Commodore uh, 64, and um, then continued from there on to learn a little bit of basic. And then actually, I wanted to do uh, architecture and started studying that. Um, and then pretty pretty soon figured out that I need to do cinematics like Blizzard was doing them. So uh, then I mainly moved into, uh, into uh, learning um, film and getting a d- degree in film, and then uh, pretty soon moved to games, where I then started um, as an animator, and um, that felt really good, so I kind of stuck with it because it was very, very interdisciplinary and... People were like really excited about what they're doing, so I felt this is the, the right place. And uh, well, when did you get into games animation? Um, somewhere in the late 90s, 98, I started with animation. And um, I did this career for close to 12 years. 
Wow. Uh, and this is the next question. Uh, how have how has uh, animation techniques changed over the past twelve years? How animation has changed? Yes. Uh, uh, oh, well, a lot. Yeah, it certainly <laughs> changed a lot. Yeah, it's it's um, like the the newest thing in animation was to me like the stuff that I really followed on a professional level was performance capturing, which means when you kind of uh, capture emotions of a face and um, then combine this with mocap. For the rest of it, it all became a lot more comfortable. Like the software developed um, quite a bit since the early days. When I was doing like the first, the first animation, it took like weeks to just set up a character. And then it took another couple of weeks to finish one animation because the tools weren't just at the point. So it was really, really hard. And um, then it became kind of really, really fun. So there's lots of um, secondary animation systems. There's muscle simulation systems that you can plug in. You have, of course, the combination with a performance capture and all this kind of stuff. But the most important thing to me was coming from film, that in film you usually tend to work on one scene and one character for pretty much the whole duration of the project. Mm -hmm. And in games it's more working with other people and spending about two days per animation on a maximum scale for very important uh, animations and characters. And um, coming from that, it is, it is refreshing because you can, you can really start something new every two days. So. And um, well, where did you get your start uh, professionally in the uh, industry? Um, that was at a company which anymore. Uh, they were called S-E-K, uh, spelled S-E-K, and they did a game uh, that was a little bit renowned. Uh, it was a combination of, uh, it was an RTS featuring dinosaurs, so kind of <laughs> back on, on spot, uh, which was called Para World. I can't say I've ever heard of it. No, it sold 17,000 copies. It was well acclaimed, but nobody was interested in dinosaurs because the, the, the project took many, many years to complete. So oh, that was the, the first product I worked on. That is unfortunate. I <laughs> yeah. uh, but now, as I understand it, you had a stint at uh, EA. Uh, yes. Um, I joined EA um, in, oh, when was that, 2004? I've been there, something, 2004, 2003. And I've been included on, um, on several titles. Uh, the one that was released during the time I was there was called Battleforge, um, which was also on RTS, so maybe uh, that was kind of a connection there. But it featured um, uh, tradable cards, so every card was kind of a unit. Uh -huh. uh, then we worked on um, on many, many, many undisclosed projects, which all didn't come to life uh, because then there was kind of the the huge crash, and every everything was um, was looking not so good for EA back in the days. Um, and then I decided from there to um, like having had experience for for close to ten years with bigger studios and bigger organizations that I actually want to work with people that I feel closely related to. And to do something more 
something smaller and something more exciting, basically. Is that what led to the foundation of Happy Tuesday? That's exactly what led to the foundation of Happy Tuesday. It was um, uh, two people saw the... Uh, it was basically Niels who used to work for us since seven years now. And um, we we kind of started this whole thing together and had all the uh, like earliest ideas also for Hero Defense. And how many people were around in the early days versus uh, like how many people work there now? Um, it is it is as always with uh, with games. It's kind of uh, um, uh, cranking it up when you have a main production during main production of Hero Defense. We were. Uh, uh, only within our office, we were 28 people uh, working on the game. And um, then when uh, this kind of hot phase is over and everybody's really burnt out, then uh, we usually scale down to around 14 to 16. So it's kind of in, in, in between that all the time. Yeah, that sounds about right. Like, uh, you know... Uh Pretty in the middle as far as teams that we've had on the program. Like, you know, we've had people with more, we've had people with less, but yeah, that, that's a fairly common story. Like, you know, and yeah. now, did Hero Defense actually take five years to develop? Um, no, it didn't take five years to develop. It took the duration of five years until it was finally developed, but it, we weren't working on it for the whole time. Uh, the first year we were just testing out the principle um, on the side uh, while doing other projects. And um, then we continued, picked it up, moved it forward, um, did something else. And it's mainly the last two years when we're really full power on, on Hero Defense, when we kind of had all the difficulties that this kind of slight change to the tower defense genre brings up when we had them kind of solved. Um. Is that the fact that it's a uh, MOBA-inspired tower defense game? Um, the thing is that we were pretty lucky when uh, founding Happy Tuesday that mobile wasn't developed as far as it is of now. So you were still able... There weren't any big IPs on mobile. It was kind of... People were kind of uh, winking on it. It was like, haha, not taking it seriously. This kind of stuff. So we had the chance uh, with a very small team. Where back then we were uh, five people on creating games that were competitive to the market. And it's like as it's kind of the same as if you are working for a console title, because you have like a fixed platform. You have fixed minimum specs that you need to um, that you need to deal with. You have a very limited amount of system setups, and that's why we chose to um, to do the first game. Uh, th that we wanted to start the company with only on iOS, which back then had two devices. So you only needed two devices and you know you knew that if the game was running there, yeah. it would run on every other device and so you could kind of squeeze the last bit of quality out of it. Right. Well, uh, I often forget just how much, just how many iDevices have come out in the, in the past five years. It's insane. It's yeah. What do you mean you don't have the latest iFablet? <laughs> you don't own it? Uh, we need to quit this conversation. <clears throat> well, it's like, uh, what kind of uh, mobile titles did you do? Uh, mobile titles. We did um, two mobile titles for ourselves, which were mainly test balloons. 
Uh, one was called CoinDash. Um, it already had, uh, it was kind of early stages of look development. So you can see mainly the roots of uh, the look and feel and technical solutions that we have uh, incorporated into Here Defense. It was a very uh, easy but very nice-looking um, tilt game where you would kind of need to run in circles and pick up coins at the right time and um, this kind of stuff. And then we did another thing where uh, then we had kind of the pipeline going and it was kind of a success. Like we didn't spend, any, we didn't have any money for any marketing, and we dropped it for I, I think it was installed like five hundred thousand times or something. We made. A thousand bucks with it, so like business comes <laughs> later. Um, yeah, and so we did um, since since all the theme was already we're kind of creating um, um, uh, art style decisions for for the creeps and the heroes and this kind of stuff, and and that was kind of the the perfect sandbox to test technology and performance on uh, on devices. So that was the first year. And then since we wanted to do our own stuff, um, we started um, doing a lot of outsourcing and have established a pretty good reputation in that market. We have just finished a huge product for a very renowned IP, which is mainly cars. So something completely different than, than what you see in Hair Defense. Um, we are doing um, an installation for a museum in Berlin. So we have uh, many little side projects. And since our art team is kind of strong compared with other people of that size, uh, we are doing consultancy and art style development also for bigger companies um, like uh, Big Point, uh, Inno Games, Good Game Studios. So the guys that are also based in Berlin. That's where we kind of started, and that's also the reason why uh, we really took our time with with bringing here defense to the PC. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, you got to pay the bill somehow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, again, we've had other devs on here who have made uh, not just like other game uh, things for bigger publishers, but other uh, you know, apps. And like we had one dev who made a traffic app. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. that's also possible. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of if if the if the projects are like right and they are fun and they have a have a good idea or they require um they require a certain quality that is interesting to um to tackle, then um count us in because it's it's also it's distracting in a way if you don't have to deal with one thing all over the whole time. So we cycle the team. Um, over over the course of projects. Yeah. Now going back to the initial concept of hero defense, was it uh, has it always been kind of the way it was even back say five years ago, or has it like changed and revamped as you've been making it into an actual game? It grew bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until it was kind of the monster that we have now. Um, in the beginning, it, it was only only three heroes, and and each of them had five skills that had only one level, and that was it mainly. So the that's when the when the core idea of well, we all like tower defense, but it's kind of boring, which is something that the genre is suffering is because every every tower defense game is mainly the same. So we thought, what can we do? Uh, what can we do differently? 
And the first thing that we decided was that towers don't have any personality. It's hard to tell a story only with towers. And um, it's hard to, um, to get some action in there. And that's when we, when we had the first prototypes of uh, heroes running around. And um, yeah, but there were many, many, many things uh, that you wouldn't expect to happen when you just change um, in thing. Well, yeah, like when we were uh, playing the game for the review, um, I've never played a, a tower defense game that's been this action-oriented. Yeah. yeah. It, it's like, like, you know, I'm just so used to, you know, building the towers and waiting around, and you, you know how the tower defense goes. And in this, it's like you actually have to pay attention during all the rounds, and it's like it's, you know, a lot of winning away depends on... Uh, not just where you're placed, but how fast you can get there. Exactly. So there's a there's a lot of a lot of a lot of stuff in just just to tell you a, a little story uh, about it. Like what we figured out for the first time was, okay, you can move your heroes. So what happens? The creeps are running along the path. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? You just move your hero alongside the path. Um, that is fun for exactly thirty seconds, and then it just gets horribly boring. So um, therefore, we needed to um, to apply many many different strategies, um, ranging from level design to um, incorporating uh, different different systems. So that's when we came up with uh, the specialities that heroes have against certain creep types, mm -hmm. while mixing that with certain attack types. The level design is, um, when you look at the maps in the beginning, like all the maps are very open, you can sit alongside the path all the time, but when you move on, um, you have to move into pockets. So um, also different movement speeds of heroes came in. And one of the biggest things that we figured out would, was kind of beneficial for the, for the game design and the overall game feel was that we implemented shrines, which are these special locations which you can customize. And this is all kind of trying um, or hopefully succeeding to a certain degree uh, with balancing the amount of action that you have to do uh, while still not being too much moving around everybody at the si same time and still not just standing there and whatever, scratching your back. Uh, didn't seem to be from when, uh, from what we experienced. Granted, we didn't uh, have all that much time to play. I, I think I like I managed to put about six seven hours into the game. Yeah, then you are quite far. Yeah, you must have all characters then and this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I haven't unlocked uh, the wolf guy. Yet. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's like he's he's my favorite. It's unfortunate, but, you know, it's like in between E3 and the fact that we had to review two games this uh, past week, uh, it, time was tight. But, um, yeah, indeed. Yeah. Uh, now, was this always meant to be a PC game, or were you aiming for mobile in the beginning? Uh, in the beginning, we were aiming for mobile, and since we are still completely independent, um, we would be stupid not to think about releasing it on mobile, uh, because it's, it's just... Just another way to get money, and we're not making millions with Here Defense on PC either. So it's <laughs> um, we're thinking about it, and we designed the game and also the control scheme with that in mind. Mm -hmm. 
but uh, since a year we are only focused on uh, on PC. We're doing weekly feature updates, as you might have as you might have noticed. Um, really listening to the guys, what they're saying, um, and and just pushing it forward. Right. Uh, like I think we saw like you just implemented co-op into the game. Exactly, as a very 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 early version. So don't expect too much of it. But we also believe that. Um, Putting it out there in front of the in front of the consumers, and then then hearing them rent and and listening to what they like and what they don't like, was the right decision rather than than doing everything behind closed doors. This kind of also the the, the kind of early access spirit. Mm. Right, this game was an early access. Um, uh, how did that work out for Hero Defense? It was great. Um, we had a, a very, very unexpected um, boost of awareness through YouTube. Uh-huh. And um, usually when you talk about YouTube and Let's Plays, it's like it's, it's, it's uh, a motor to drive awareness. Mm-hmm. But to us, it was, uh, it was really awesome to see people actually playing the game in a situation where they know that they are recording it or streaming it to other people so they they want to succeed so the emotions that they have and they don't want to usually youtubers they start the stream they start the game and then they they're in the game and you have a first impression of the guys playing the game which is it's it's invaluable um we learn so much because we're like you're like locked tight on your ideas you you only see your game that you have been working with for years with the concept and then you suddenly see other guys yeah. struggling at at certain points or completely enjoying certain things it, it, it this gave us a, a very very good focus yeah I, I, and yeah yeah I, i've heard that from other devs um you know having an outside perspective uh, help them in ways that they they didn't expect, um, and yes. um, did that? In, what did that influence on your game? A lot. <laughs> it, mm-hmm. it was we were we were kind of rebalancing, redesigning, restructuring the, the the complete game, like the core of it, like how the campaign works, when you meet characters, what they talk, all this kind of stuff, is kind of the 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 what do you call this the the red path, the whatever the the core of the game, how it's developing is the same, but everything else is kind of we tweaked skills, um, we tweaked um, when things would be unlocked. Um, we did balance characters from the beginning to the end. Uh, we developed multiplayer for over seven weeks only with uh, with people who were active in the community. We met them, uh, we had TeamSpeak talks with them. Um, so what is what is this multiplayer now was not anything that it was before. So it was pretty much everywhere all over the game. When, when you play the game that you are playing now and you play the version that was there uh, close to five months ago, um, you would see the difference. It's, it's, it's huge. Hmm. I'm like... Uh, admittedly, I don't think any of us played the the early access versions of the game. Yeah, I did not, sadly. Yeah. So yeah, it it is a floating development. It is not that we we left early access and then everything new came in, but we had like um, you can get an impression when you look at the uh, at the updates that we did. Uh, we implemented Zoom. We implemented a new fog. We implemented. Um, 
a pause function. We implemented multiplayer. We implemented endless modes. We implemented leaderboards. Um, uh, we did a skip tutorial. Um, it's. I think we had by now 43, 44 updates since entering early access, which is five months ago. So you can imagine a lot has changed. It's hard to sum it up. Indeed, and um, it sounds like that there's going to be uh, more content down the line. Yeah, it of course uh, depends how, how well the game is, is going, um, but I can, can tell you that uh, the Steam Summer Sale will be starting on Thursday, uh, which is like the biggest event on Steam, and uh, we will be hosting uh, a community event for 10 days where the community has to... Um, has to do or has to achieve certain challenges and then raffles are thrown over the whole of the community so it's really community working together to achieve goals um, that is one of the things that we're working on like as if you were in fever for I think 10 days now mm, and um, it, it will be really fun um, it, there is stuff where you have to beat the death there's stuff where we are streaming um, there is um, there's pretty much every game mode um, where you have to have to fill bars, and then there's an overall creep count. And when we hit like five million creeps killed, whatever, we will dance naked, all this kind of stuff. So it will be it will be a fun event. Oh my! Yeah, maybe not naked. <laughs> maybe we have trousers <laughs> on our on our heads. <laughs> yeah, and I think for the for the next part, um, it will be mainly optimizing. Um, getting feedback so I believe a lot will will be will be uh, will be dealt with is the endless mode and the co-op mode which we believe needs work needs feedback needs optimization um, so that is I believe where the focus will go and then optimizing controls um, getting more feedback from people what they have problems with what they really like and, and pretty much focusing fo slowly now focusing the game yeah yeah, we uh, took a spin on the multiplayer on Friday, and yes. you know it's like, yeah, the, it, the multiplayer seemed to be a, uh, a work in progress. Yeah. Yes, um, it is mainly the, the the multiplayer was designed to capture um, the whole of the progression that you have in the game. So you would mainly start with a little like an account that was roughly comparable to two hours of playtime. And then you would progress um, throughout multiplayer and um, earn experience, earn gold, and, and mainly having a second account and then, then trying to, to, to get to a certain point. Um, what we are now struggling with is just a player base because it's really, really hard to get like people playing a game when there is not hundreds of, of players on the game. So this is kind of interfering with the plans that we had initially intended for multiplayer, which is all this kind of progression-based so that we really have a motor on playing and continue playing. So we're currently working with uh, more kind of, kind of balancing uh, short races uh, that we initiate over the weekend that last a couple of hours um, to figure out what the right settings are and, and so having it more skill-based. Mm. And uh, what about the co-op? Are, are, are you going to like have a uh, campaign co-op at some point? Yeah, that's the goal. 
So um, we thought we, we should try, because we had maps, we have eight of these multiplayer maps. Uh, currently there are three in multiplayer and one is in co-op. So we have another four maps that we need to bring into the game, which are ready. Um, but they, are, they have intertwining paths. This is mainly what makes, what's the core idea behind uh, um, a team co-op where you play two people at the same time, right. or where two people play at the same time. Um, but the main goal is to have uh, have a campaign co-op where you just start a new account um, or you can play with your account and then uh, invite a friend to help you out and, and battle together. Um, but this is just in a in a rough prototype stage currently because we need to figure out uh, if we rather have each hero being on the field for two times so everybody can kind of choose their stuff which can be overcrowding the scene and then on the other side if we divide them between uh, several players uh, we fear that there is not enough to do if you if you can concentrate um, that much on on only a couple of heroes so it's already it's already kind of fun but this is really something uh, that is that is, if we bring out co-op it needs to be it needs to be really working like if we bring out campaign co-op right uh, now, uh, speaking of the heroes, um, uh, you mentioned that in the beginning there was only three heroes. And, yes. Uh, it's like, is it like the first three uh, heroes you unlock, or were, were, were it a different set? It was um, far more stereotypical for, for tower defense. So you had your splash tower, you had your freeze tower, and you had your 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 arrow tower. So that's also the th uh, the three characters that you meet in the beginning. <coughs> and then uh, we figured that we need other um, other mechanics, and therefore we um, we came up with this bat wielding um, goth uh, cheerleader chick that is kind of going into the melee uh, which we thought it was, was was really funny and that opened up completely different ideas so opening a role uh, that she has called leak catcher which is mainly what happens in tower defense games when the creeps get past the, the last line of defense and then you need to build stupid towers in the end not lose lives <laughs> so her role is mainly um, we, we did stuff like, okay, she can teleport and uh, she can knock creeps back and, and she can jump on the path and, and, and this kind of stuff. So really keeping the gates. And then we figured, okay, this is cool, but now we really need a character that is um, completely the opposite. Having uh, a move very, very slow, but by um, incorporating uh, the benefit of position. And so Wild, who's the last character, functions a little bit like a laser tower because he's throwing blades in a straight line and uh, those can be very very effective if you position him at the right point and if you position him on the on on a not so good point like to the side of the path then he's completely inefficient so every character has their roles and we were kind of building those roles over time and well how did you land on the whole um Halloween monster motif. It's funny. We thought like there were not so many tower defense games that were featuring uh, the the vampire scheme, mm -hmm. and um, 
we thought it was about time to have a satiric uh, a little bit ironic approach to the to this uh, to this genre um, which actually uh, since Halloween is not such a big thing in Germany we weren't aware that it was perceived so Halloweeny <laughs> just because there are some some skeletons running around and this kind of stuff I mean like you you watch monster monster or zombie movies or uh, some undead stuff all the time yeah. Um, yeah, Halloween's a pretty big thing in yeah, the yeah. U.S. and stuff, but in Europe, it's very much not. Yeah. Exactly, we have we have carnival, so more this kind of. Uh, it's pretty similar in the end, yeah. There's a whole history behind this, um, uh, you know, um, with like you know, hollow, you know, what we think of like classic Halloween monsters used to be taken a lot more seriously back in, you know, the uh, you know, the universal uh, mo- uh, movie monster days, Boris Karloff and all that. And yeah. about the 60s, um, they started turning into kitsch because they'd been around a while and other, like, uh, movie villains were coming in and, you know, it was starting to be more uh, sold children. And now we have things like Hotel Transylvania. Yeah, exactly. So I can tell you, like the the first, like we redid the complete characters uh, one and a half years ago, and they looked in in the beginning they they looked a little bit pixaresque, so they were kind of really toony, um, a lot more humorous. So for example, our werewolf boss was um, was a uh, persiflage on uh, on Boris Becker, the famous uh, the famous tennis player. Who had difficulties in talking, so we thought uh, a blonde uh, beach boy dog would kind of suit this. And he had a he had a special move that was the Becker roll, the famous the famous Wimbledon Becker roll uh, when you couldn't attack him. The zombie queen, uh, which I believe still conveys a lot of the humor with her kind of scarf, which is a dead cat and and this kind of crown on her head and this kind of stuff. But she was actually uh, Queen Elizabeth on on her throne, but the throne had wheels and a motor, and and she had a little bag in front attached where there were some brains bouncing around, and could do a wheelie and and this kind of stuff. So, uh, but then after after certain tests, we figured that we will not kind of we need to find another way and not make it too cheesy. So we kept a little bit of the cheesiness, which you see with these kind of on the nose dialogues and stuff. But it became it became a little more serious, at least from the character side, so that they were taking themselves serious. Yeah, I think it strikes the right balance there between uh, cartoony and serious. But, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, it is nice to see a, a tower defense game not take itself so seriously, because it, a lot of... Yeah, some, defense, some of them are far too serious. Well, yeah, like uh, um, a lot of... Well... It's more a, there's a lot of very serious power defense games out there, like uh, the Anomaly series comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, which is also kind of an in- inverse tower defense, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. There's all sorts of spins on the genre, like, uh, you know, you even like the hero concept, um, like that, that goes all the way back to the Inception, you know, the Warcraft 3 mods. And you've got yeah. games like um, South Park, Let's Go Tower Defense, and uh, Pixel Junk Monsters, where you not only have the towers, but have a player avatar that can affect things. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so... But like like I said, this is the first tower defense game I've ever played that got rid of the towers. Yeah, there is uh, there is a, a tower defense game which came out came out as soon as we had our first prototype done. But it's a mobile game called uh, Guns and Glory. It's not very well executed, but I was kind of freaking out when I saw this thing on the store. <laughs> like, no, we're not the first. So I have to get, give credits to them being faster in execution. Um, yeah, I mean, like we want, we we just wanted to do like uh, we wanted to to bring tower defense more into a, a story, a campaign, and and also conveying um, some kind of an immersive world. That's why we spent so much time and effort to to build all the levels so that they connect, so that you have this kind of one connecting path from the town. To the castle, um, then the same goes for the village. Like just not having a having a main menu or or main UI where you then go to wherever the skill trees or this kind of stuff. But having buildings and 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 having some kind of a visual progression the the longer you play the game. Um, so everything that we did was really just what can we do to tower defense that actually has never been done before the way we do it. And it, also from the principle, we need to see uh, where this is going. Uh, but I, but I see that people are actually having a lot of fun. I just uh, uh, finished my 300th hour on Steam <laughs> on the game, so <laughs> still playing it a lot, and I'm not puking all the time. So I believe that's a good sign. Indeed, right. I'm like, and, and yeah, you definitely get a sense of progression in the game, like, you know. Not just not just in terms of like how strong your uh, heroes are, because um, one thing I don't think we've really mentioned is um, the, um, your heroes are upgradable in a couple of ways. Yes. You know, um, there are uh, two sets of upgrades. There's the permanent like stat boost. Um, it's an RPG skill tree basically, and then you've got the um, uh, rune boost, which is uh, basically your um, tower defense um, upgrade. Like, you, you know, uh, you know, genre convention is you, you get a, a certain amount of currency during um, a round for various reasons, killing enemies, time passing, what have you, and you can upgrade your towers, and part of the strategy is which towers upgrade, when, and, you know, when to sell off, and the runes basically take that place. Yes. So the, the way well, that the runes are uh, sort of permanently customizable in between battles is a little bit on the interesting side. It lets you kind of choose what you want your heroes to get better at. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of that's where you make your builds. And we also we 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 uh, we we did a lot of testing on how many runes should a character have. And uh, one of the things that you don't see. Uh, when in the game early is that it's really a strong decision what you put into the last rune slot as this is kind of um, so we're talking about just for the listeners who haven't seen the game so far is uh, d- during a map when you play a map you upgrade your your, your characters um, you basically charge their weapons to unlock upgrades you can customize those upgrades by runes um, which are attack speed, additional projectiles, uh, getting more energy when killing a creep, all this kind of stuff. And um, uh, you can have a layout of up to 10 rooms that you can customize, and then the last slot stays the same. 
So there's a lot of build potential that you can do there, um, especially um, when you incorporate that with shrines. So, for example, um, you go on a map and you do, um, you basically build up only for this map. You position shrines, then you place your hero, then you see how many range, range runes or how many range upgrades he needs to reach a certain point and then you optimize in a different direction and the same is then used for, for skill trees. So skill trees are more like where's the focus of this character? Is he more passively acting or is he dealing damage? And then with the runes you have a lot of, a lot of freedom to experiment and, and do this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. and, it's also, and there's another... Uh upgrade level in the town like yeah um, um all all buildings are are mainly giving you uh global bonuses so the academy which is also hosting the the skill trees uh gives you experience bonus rewards uh the forge where you mainly um forge your weapons and 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 uh, socket runes gives you um damage and stat boosts the the mayor's house or the town hall where the archives are hosted so we also dropped a lot of effort into that i don't know M many people don't even look at it they see oh there's books and then they exit the stream directly <laughs> but uh, there's like all the lore of the characters the background stories uh um the the the, the artwork of the characters the concept art and if you upgrade that your angry mob gets stronger um and this is also what you can see. So every building has like five, six, six completely different levels from burnt down to big and shiny. Indeed. Uh, and uh, and there's another upgrade currency. That's the gems that does the forge and the shrine. Yeah. Shrines are... A constant thing in uh, in single player, so you can customize uh, every level that you play. Every level has, has different uh, difficulty settings, and you can also choose out of a, out of a variety of three additional challenges, like <laughs> tower defense. You are not allowed to move heroes, or you have one life, or uh, whatever. There's many of those challenges. I'm sorry, I can't remember um, now. And um, you can then place uh, out of three categories of shrines. So you have one shrine that is boosting one specific hero by a huge amount. So they get increased range, they get increased damage, they get increased attack speed, and they get an additional skill level on all their skills. So that's mainly your, your skills are not limited to level 5. They now can be level 6. So that's a huge thing. Or you can do um, special kind of shrines that give you more energy while just standing there so you take out a character and this character is then generating energy throughout the game um, as well as um, basic parameters like double damage double attack speed double range which can be utilized by every character hmm. now um, going back to the uh, to like the uh, character upgrade trio um, mm -hmm. is there a um, is there a level cap there? Like, can you only get a certain amount of points and, you know, you have to pick your um, skills wisely or will you, like, eventually get enough points 
uh, to like upgrade everything. Yeah, you cap out at a certain point. There's also something that we are now um, having a look at. Um, to me, the game is most interesting in around like 8 to 15 hours right. when you have enough skill trees to kind of uh, enough skill points um, you get skill points by experience and your character's level to a certain level every level they get experience uh, get, a, get a certain amount of skill points when you are not like maxing out your skill tree but when you need to kind of figure out the way through the skill tree because every skill has like requirements um, until you can can plop them on the on your heroes um, so I believe it's it's most it's the most fun when you have something like when you're not when you're not having everything, but you can max them out. Um, so you will eventually, after eighty to no, I have three hundred hours and I still haven't maxed them out. But you can max them out, <laughs> and then then you you're just leveling up, but you actually don't have uh, you you get the benefit of of skill points, but you have no no way to spend them. Uh, let me see. Um, the music. Um, uh, uh, who created the music for the game? Um, we worked together with uh, two people. Um, uh, one is Mark. He, we used to work with him for four years, and uh, the other uh, dropped in through another project, and um, uh, that's Marie and they they are both like they have a different kind of kind of like the multiplayer music is is from Marie and the uh, the kind of single player kind of the catchy funny uh, eerie loops are from Mark and um, uh, how many tracks are or uh, how much uh, music is in the uh, in here at events I think currently it's six tracks, and we are working on two others, um, which are more, mainly more epic and pressing to have more kind of a, a suspense-supporting um, music scenery mm. for multiplayer. Mm. And uh, like, are you planning to have an OST available at some point? At a certain point, um, but... I believe it. It just makes sense to. I think also both of them will then master the stuff, <laughs> like really taking taking another week to to make it so that that they like it even more. Um, we spoke about it, but like currently we're not really focused on 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 getting uh, digital DLCs and stuff ready. It's it's really finishing off the game, working with the guys out there, um, getting feedback. Um, and and making the, this whole thing is new to us as well. We, we we did it for ourselves. We know how to play the game. Everybody is playing the game while he's sleeping, and now we see people who had who who play the game, and we need to optimize this, and we need to make this kind of. Like we intend to make a genre here at Defense. We want to we want to make this a new new kind of play style um, for some kind of a. Let's let's talk cocky a little bit of a next tower defense well, genre thing. Like, I, well, I, I could I, I could see where the next logical step is, and and, and it's like um, maybe a bit more multiplayer focused, like um, every like one player controlling one hero at a time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like 
I, yeah. This is like this is something that we thought of like if we ever go for for a console version because of with RTS you always have on console has like huge issues with controls. Mm-hmm. How do you move how do you move heroes around? How do you do that kind of stuff? And um, so we're thinking like reducing the amount of heroes to four and then using like the 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 uh, the X whatever buttons to select like one of the heroes and then directly controlling him and while you are on this hero the hero has has more power mm-hmm. so that that's kind of making sense if you put it on on like let's say a MOBA theme um, the difficulty is currently the path system because then you have four players just walking alongside the path and that is really really boring so um, then, going really for this kind of mobile s thing, we need to have more paths, um, pretty much more like a Dota layout, mm-hmm. where everything is kind of coming together at one point, um, and you kind of need to switch positions. But it's, uh, we will definitely test that out. Uh, one thing that we're doing, uh, where we also have a running prototype, which is really really fun already, is um, that we will drop in active skills. So, um, it, it currently works on a kill count. So every character has one active skill, which you can customize like you customize the runes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's as soon as this character has a certain amount of kills, let's say a hundred, this is kind of the balancing value for when the skill can be executed. You can execute the skill at a certain point, and uh, that is already really fun because you really need to decide. Um, what character gets kills? It's not like oh, I'm, I'm I'm getting all the waves down and this kind of stuff. Should be it's it's kind of really fun to see. Like, oh no, no no I need to have this guy doing this because then his kind of superpower is charged. Mm. And uh, give the um, full name of the title: Hero Gets Haunted Island. Um, did you like envision this as like the first game in a series? It is as I uh, mentioned before. It's like we love the we love the concept. We think it's the first iteration of the concept, and we, if possible, if we see that that there is as enough people liking it and supporting us with it, um, we'll definitely be doing a uh, um, a Defense too, where we kind of put in drop in all the learnings that we had and move on. Um, on the technology side, because this product is like three years old, we're limited in what we can do now. Everything is kind of like, like, like a house of cards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it tends to be like that when projects are like uh, that. Everything gets kind of a little bit, uh, yeah, wobbly in a way. Um, and um, mainly, um, Haunted Island is um, um, is a remark on the original title of the game. It it originally should should have been named Haunted Island, and uh, then we had uh, we have been lucky to to kind of come up with the idea of a hero defense, which is kind of incorporating the tower defense thought, but with the twist on heroes. And we are currently removing uh, uh, Haunted Island from from the banners. Is it also for, to many people they look at it and they feel like this is a DLC? So, um, but of course, yeah. There will be, there will be more. Okay, right. 
in uh, terms of um, development, was it built with Unity or uh, another sort of middleware? Yes. System? Okay. Like the first, the first prototypes we did with uh, Cocos 3D, mm-hmm. that was really horrible. And um, then um, we, <laughs> then we moved to Unity out of other projects that we did, and we are, uh, but we're doing a, a whole lot of stuff on Unity that is uh, that is custom built. So we have node-based systems, and and like we have a completely own pipeline for for the game. So the the core is Unity, but like literally everything you see on top of it, like the way we handle um, the the way we handle particles, uh, the way we handle UIs, the way we handle um, uh, missing the word uh, tutorials, stories, uh, all this kind of stuff is is technology that we build on top of Unity and that we also use um, for for other projects. So. Here Defense is pretty much the backbone where we implement stuff and then figure out where to bring it. Makes sense. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> like, uh, most developers we have on this program are working in Unity. Yeah. It's, it's an awesome engine. Yeah. It's really an awesome engine. For, for a team size of up to 30 people, I would... Except you're doing a first-person shooter or something the like... I would suggest Unity, because also on the other side, it's like if you go for Unreal or Try, um, they just ask you for for a freaking lot of money uh, the moment you make a dollar, or uh, so many dollars that you can sustain a team of thirty people or or ten to thirty people, and then you have the stores picking thirty percent, and then you have the tax coming in, and then you have the engine providers coming in, then you're you and then you have being a publisher which we don't and everybody's taking like 30% of the pie and then you're you are there with like your life wasted for years to fulfill the dream and the only thing you get out of this is a 10% of the of the revenue which oh that that's a you get it yes yeah. <laughs> that, is, it's, that is thoroughly depressing Yes, and uh, so we decided um, um, to to go for Unity also because of that reason. But the main reason for us is that the pipeline between Maya, which is the animation software that we're using, and uh, Unity is flawless. It just it just works so great, and it's so easy for artists to 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 deal with this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, you know, like you said. Uh, this is along the lines of what other people have told us about Unity. Now it's like, uh, you know, and, it, and Unity has its quirks. You know, and it has. More, I tell you, <laughs> it's becoming more quirky um, these days because, like, I, I've encountered a lot of Unity games where performance has uh, been an issue, and it's been such an Indeed. issue that uh, it's been such an issue that Unity themselves had said that they're going to have to address that, but. Mm. Um, and for the record, uh, your game worked flawlessly on all our uh, systems. So that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. It kind of it kind of runs pretty pretty smoothly by now. Yeah. And that's also kind of kind of a benefit to uh, a four month in early access, mm. because you can hire any company to test your game, but the, the moment you bring it on the market, people are popping. I have a radon of. Uh, 1975, and it's not working on this. <laughs> so, 
kind of, kind of, yeah, yeah. need to get down to it. Indeed. And um, well, we're getting low on time here, so just a couple more questions. Um, in regards to a mobile version, how would you um, uh, tackle that market? Um, you know, we, would you like do the same pricing uh, as you are doing on the PC? Would you um, like do mission packs? Um, would would you do like a, a lot of free to play stuff? It's a very, very difficult, um, very difficult question because uh, currently, actually, nobody knows where the market is going. Like most companies are tending into a performance marketing-oriented strategy, which actually means you buy users for a set price and you optimize your product that every user on the average brings more money than you spend. Which is a, uh, to me, it just doesn't feel like, like creating games. It feels like. I don't know, painting a box so that everybody's attracted and then spends money and in the end you don't get enough out of it or you get more out of it or something like this. Um, then on the other side, the premium market, um, Apple is very interested in supporting premium products, but nobody buys them. Right. Like you can either have a Final Fantasy IP that you can sell for nine bucks or you have an, an unknown IP and then it's hard to get above 299. So imagine, hey, my son is just dropping in because he's a huge football fan. <laughs> um, so actually, we don't know. If, if, there, is, if there is a possibility um, to get this game out as a premium title and having a chance of, with the returns, keeping the team and doing the next even better version and supporting the title, then this is what everybody wants to do here. That's also why we chose to first go on PC because we don't want to bother with uh, microtransactions and, and this and that and KPIs and all this kind of stuff. I mean, we know about it, but it's something that we really just like for, for giving birth to the baby, we don't want to bother on day zero, like how is the baby going to behave and how much money is it bringing in? And it's just really dropping the game and then seeing how people like it. I've played uh, mobile power defense games. You know that yeah. they tend to be ripe with you know, microtransactions, and, uh, so it didn't. Because it's really hard. It's, it's it's something that I that I can only give to to all the guys that are, that are playing mobile games. Guys, buy games. Don't go for free games and then expect. And then, then they're good, really. Like what, yeah, it yeah. is. And that is, it's horrible. You're, yeah. you're lost there on this market. Yeah. And that isn't to say that there aren't good free-to-play games. I mean, we just reviewed one, but once again, we found that one on the PC market. So, yeah. yeah. Like, mobile is just, like, the, the worst when it comes to the, what they call Skinner boxes. Yeah. 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 But, you know, it, 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 it's this whole thing where it's a, you know, they get you into a psychological... Um, feedback loop and you know that's when you start spending uh, you know thousands of dollars on microtransactions yeah yeah it's it's also that they they, they incorporate and I, I know that for sure uh, that they in, incorporate systems like when you buy the whole game gets easier and then they slowly rank it up so it's it's not that you're playing better it's just it's it's so psychological and it's so it's just seeing how, how much how much money um, you can grab from one user and 
whatever. It's it's a way to make yeah. to 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 continue making games. And free to play is not bad in its core. That's not what I'm saying. It's just it's a difficult question. We we don't know currently. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, yeah. um, I'm like we are out of time. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, it was lovely having you on the program, Garston, and you know, um, hopefully we can have you on again. Um, should there uh, be a Hero Defense two? <laughs> yes, in another four years, maybe. <laughs> Trust me, uh, I'm like we can wait that long. Yeah, we need <laughs> I hope so. Well, I'm like. Oh, <laughs> well, uh, anyway, um, the game is yeah. Hero Defense uh, Haunted Island. It's currently available for fourteen ninety nine on Steam. Yes, there, um, it, it will be a sale on Thursday. Mm. And we will be reducing by quite a lot, so jump in and be part of the community events. Right. Um, is it so only on Steam, or is it on like um, GOG Humble? It's on Humble. Okay. It's on Humble. Okay. Right. So um, pick it up on Steam, or if you're looking for a DRM free version, get the Humble version. Uh, yeah. And uh, you know, once again, thank you for joining us uh, here today. Right, uh, that'll about. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, uh, yeah. 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 Uh, that'll about okay. do it for this installment. Of okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, cross talk. <laughs> uh, Best ending ever, correct? I'm like, we've had worse. We, we've had much worse. <laughs> oh. All right. I just wanted to thank you all for for uh, for for coming in. Um, no problem. No problem. Thank thank you for hosting us. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Anyway. Um, then good luck. Mm-hmm. Been fun. Yes. Uh, anyway, yeah. so uh, that'll about do it for this installment of Fragments of Silicon. Um, we still have one more show to do before we go on our season break. Um, and uh, n- tomorrow we'll be welcoming back to the program after a long absence, Runic Games. Um, for those who are very long listeners of our program, you'll know that Runic Games was a uh, fairly prominent guest in the early days when we were having games on, and like um, uh, you know, we we had them on in the um, ramp up to Torchlight Two, and that was about four years ago, I think. It's, it's been a long time since they've done you know uh, one of our programs, but they're returning in grand style to talk about their new game, Hob, um, coming to the PC and the PlayStation 4. Um, and yeah, after uh, tomorrow's show, we'll be off for two weeks, and we'll be coming back um, probably, well, um, we'll probably initially be coming back the 7th, provided we get a multiplayer-focused game, like one, if we actually get One Piece Burning Blood. Um... If not, then we'll probably be returning ninth with the review, and um, you know it'll be back to the normal schedule. You know, also a um, bit of an announcement. We'll uh, we'll bring this up again on the um, Wednesday show. Um, Ogre is going to be taking a, sub- a long sabbatical from the program. Indeed, all um, kind of internet seeking activities um, for say about two months. Um, and that'll be uh, beginning uh, July 20th, which is going to be like the second Wednesday interview of 
the sixth season. Um, we're still figuring out our full plan schedule for that. We've got the backup systems in place, but we're we're figuring out whether or not we want to have a guest host during that period. So more details um, as they come about. You know, we, you know, uh, and until tomorrow, I wish you good gaming. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.